using words like being perfect and complete, which really doesn't compute in our thinking because we say, well, no one can be perfect. What he's bringing out is to be wholehearted, uh, not to be conflicted or double-minded, is our natural tendency. And so it is to present this wholehearted worship. He's leaning on Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount and Proverbs and other things to form his thinking. This James being uh, traditionally the brother of Jesus uh, in the writing of this. And so we have looked at what does this mean to be wholehearted, and, um, and we've seen that so far James is saying how struggles and adversity challenges and teaches us, helps us being wholehearted to Jesus, so thank God for them. We learned how we deal with mercy with others and show mercy uh, in relationships with others, reveals our heart, whether we're wholehearted or half-hearted. Uh, and the Word of God and how it impacts us within that. And then today, we're hitting in this other major area, our words. Our words reveal our heart, wholehearted, half-hearted. In fact, uh, as we are reading in, in James chapter 1, there's this passage in verse 26, 27, that kind of sums it up. He says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, This person's religion is worthless. So he elaborates on that today. We will look at it today. And the next verse, 27, says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James 2 talks about the mercy toward others. And then James 4 and 5 talks about our relationship with the world. So he kind of gives you a little content page, if you will, for, for the book. Uh, so in James chapter 3, the, the idea is we're going to talk about uh, the impact of words. And uh, it's been fascinating for me as I've studied this and think through this. I, uh, my major in college was communication. And uh, one of the things you first learn is that communication is irreversible. Uh, it goes out and you cannot bring it back in. Uh, and it's continuous in that. Uh, and so I see a lot of principles that we studied and, and right here in the book of James that he's bringing out. Um, But we have a fascination for words uh, because we're made in the image of God, who is a revealing God, a revealing God. Words matter to us. And I remember we were in in East Asia uh, just two or three months ago visiting with our our members that are there. And uh, it's a fascinating thing when you're in that country because people there are, especially teenagers, are fascinated with English. And it doesn't really matter what they say as long as it's English. And so you'll wear, you'll see t-shirts and hats with random words out there. I'll never forget seeing a 14-year-old girl with a black t-shirt on, looked wholesome, but she had the word pervert on her shirt. And I'm thinking, I don't think they understand. They don't know. Now, just to reverse it, we do the same thing. In fact, our, our members that are here, when they were uh, in the States, he was, went to a gym, went working out, and saw a big muscle-bound dude, you know, and on the back of his neck were these Chinese characters. You've seen, you've seen people with Chinese characters, you know, tattooed in. And so he knows Chinese. I found it extremely interesting and asked him, so, so tell me, you know, about your tattoo. It's pretty fascinating. What, what, what does it say? 
And he said, well, you know, I think it's something like spirit. I said, oh, okay. So he didn't say anything more and came back and he told his wife about it. And his wife asked him, well, what did it really say? Breaking wind. (laughs) Can you imagine that? So, you know, he didn't tell the muscle-bound dude, you know, what was tattooed on the back of his neck. But the point of it is, is that words really do matter. They will make you and break you. And so, with that being said, I'm going to invite you to read with me James chapter 3, as we study this, this idea of our tongue. If you'll stand as we read this together in honor of this being God's word, if you'll read silently, I'll read out loud. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. There's the idea, complete. Able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, bird, reptile, and sea creature can be tamed And has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring forth Pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear whole olives, or bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You may be seated. So our words reveal a double mind, or it can reveal a whole heart complete under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so as we read in this, the very first thing that hits us as we uh, read this text, and makes very clear, our words do matter. They reveal a lot of things. Notice verse 1, how much they matter. Not many of you should become teacher, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Right from the get-go, he's saying, and it's not really his point, it's kind of an aside, but he says, look, the more words you produce, and the more authority you have with those words, the greater the judgment will be. So what's assumed? What is assumed is that our words will be judged. So yes, our words matter. Jesus spoke to this. Uh, a parallel passage to this, and I'm going to really encourage you, I'm going to be throwing a lot of questions and scriptures out to you, 
And I really encourage you to write some of these questions down in these scriptures that come. Uh, it'll help you. I, I, I pray that you'll study this more um, because every one of you talk. Um, I, I've not met someone that's mute here yet. Uh, and so this applies, and I just encourage you to, to write some of these things down. But a, a parallel passage that you find to this is one that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 37. Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the fruit, the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers speaking to a group of Pharisees at this time, religious people, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Yeah, let me say that again. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now we know in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, which means to say that I will no longer be judged for my sins as a believer in Jesus Christ. But I read in 1 Corinthians and other places like this that there is an evaluation that God will do for believers on the resources they had and how they used them. Did you know that your tongue and the opportunity to speak is a resource? And as such, it will be evaluated by God himself. So rest assured, God knows every careless word that we speak. And he accounts for it. There is an evaluation that is happening. So consequently, as we read James chapter 3 verse 1, when he talks about the teachers, those who have this authority, who have the opportunity for greater amount of words, he says, you know, just don't go into this lightly. Know that you're going into a greater accounting, a greater evaluation, that you have, therefore, greater opportunity to speak, to re-influence. Therefore, God will judge. That was the point that Jeff was bringing out. In the words that we say, we need to make sure that we are saying them truthfully, accurately, according to how God has revealed himself. Especially when we're speaking about God. That is why I do go through the verses of the Bible. Because he has revealed his word. And the best thing I can do is read the revealed word and explain it to you. I'm less likely to be held an account for wrong, careless things. So it's, I'm really self-interested, guys. <laughs> uh, but I'm also believing that it has power to impact your heart and mind. And so our words matter. Now, there's some opportunities and some words that matter more than others. My brother Gene... Uh, he has said words recently that will change his life. He asked a young lady, uh, Ventia, will you marry me? I'm not just making things up here, guys. <laughs> uh, so Ventia is over here, uh, here today, and uh, he has just recently asked. Now, those words, will you marry me, those have more weight. More importantly, she said, yes, right? Okay, all right. So, all right. Yeah. 
And so for those of you who don't know, um, as, as a church family, we have been praying for our brother um, as he has gone through a whirlwind emotionally uh, in the last year um, from his wife passing um, and now with your children asking uh, this young lady, Ventia, uh, to be a part of the family. And so we're going to be praying for you and praying for uh, Ventia as well and uh, look forward to uh, what will happen. And as you know, and you'll learn again, your words matter uh, in the family atmosphere. And so we, we pray for them, and we know that our words we speak to one another matter. How we speak to our family, the words matter. How we speak to the strangers that God places in our lives, all these things matter. Why? We keep on reading down from verse 1 to verse 2. Our words matter for it reveals our heart. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And so he says, this person that has a whole heart in submission to Christ, there is a control of the tongue, and it reveals that control of the tongue. But when these things uh, speak out, well, then it reveals everything about the direction of their heart. And so he, he talks about, uses illustrations of a bit and bridle with a horse as well as a rudder to a ship. These two small little tools, yet these small little tools influence great forces. A, a whole power of a horse can be controlled and directed with a bit and bridle. A, a small, relatively tool on a massive ship can direct where the ship goes. So too, our tongue has major influence and direction of our heart and where we go. You see this in verse 3. And verse 4, so also the tongue, verse 5, is a small member yet boasts of great things. It reveals our heart. It reveals our state of are we under control of God? Uh, are we wholehearted or are we half-hearted, double-minded? It comes out in our words. And so, uh, so too this banks off of what we just read of what Jesus himself said in Matthew 22, verse 33-37. From the fruit it shows, our tongue reveals what type of tree we are. Now, just think about that for a second and ask yourself what words were said this morning. Sunday morning, I know, it's all, it's not fair. After all, wasn't it justified because we're trying to get to church? But just the catalog of words said. I, I want to share with you some questions. I'd ask that you write these questions down. And I just want to challenge you. I want you to think through your week and try to adhere to these statements or these commands. For one week, write these things down and keep it with you. One, do not complain. <laughs> already lost you right there. Or grumble. That sounded like a grumble. I don't know. Just don't complain or grumble. Number two, do not boast about anything at all. Do not gossip or repeat bad information about somebody else. Yeah, write this down. 
Do not complain or grumble. Do not boast about anything at all. Do not gossip or repeat bad information about somebody else. Number four, do not run someone down, even just a little. All right, someone's taking a picture of that. That's smart. Number five, do not defend or excuse yourself no matter what. Do not defend or excuse yourself no matter what. And do always affirm other people. Six instructions, but if you pay attention to how you answer these questions or when you fell in these instructions... Everyone knows, just with the first one, I didn't have to get to the next five. Everyone knew this is going to be a struggle. And I would just say, the reason these six questions are a struggle is because we still see ourselves in a courtroom. Our own virtual courtroom before God and the world and we are trying to prove ourselves before the world and before God. We are arguing our case. So when we are complaining about someone else, it's partly so that we would feel better about ourselves and to say, look how everyone grumbles, <laughs> complains. And it's to present ourselves before ourself and God to say, I am better. I am worth it. These questions were presented by an organization called Sonship. Or, um, and the point of it was to say that we have yet to really feel the weight of the gospel in our thinking. I'll speak to that in just a little bit. But if we find ourselves that we often respond to these in the negative to say that I'm, I'm tend to, I tend to complain, I, I tend to boast about my thing, about my things. I try to present myself in the most positive light. It's revealing our heart and maybe the lack of how the gospel is impacting us in that point. And so we tend to stumble. We all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Now, you know, not all of these are sins. Some of them are, though, aren't they? Some of them are sins that if we are found in the negative, that is saying God is telling us, don't do these things. Some of these are very encouraging things to do, like affirming other people is part of loving others and, and as such as a command of Scripture. And yet we tend to rebel in this because what am I trying to reveal? I'm trying to seek to you, and James is trying to bring to you. We lack in our wholeheartedness. We have a double-mindedness. We want to worship God, but at the same time, we want people to look at us in the most positive light as possible. I think, well, is that really all that wrong? I would just present to you that perhaps you can only have one God. And all other idols must bow down to the God who is worth it all. Our words can reveal the idols of our heart. 
So we're constantly trying to seek approval from others. Now, let's keep on reading here. We go down to verse 6, 7. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. (laughs) This is a, a fun verse to memorize. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. <laughs> Try to memorize that. A tongue is a false fire, a world of unrighteousness. Right there. Uh, its tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of hell, and set on fire by hell. Listen, here's the next point I want to share with you. Our words matter, for they form us and others. They form our heart. Our words form our heart, and they form other people. Notice what he's saying as we read. A tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, that the words we speak crystallizes certain thoughts that we have and make it more clear. When we start defining ourselves by the words we speak and the words that other people say to us. And I know we want to be independent, and we want to to say sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. There is a childhood dream of, I wish I could be like that. I wish, I wish that I could sense my identity from something other than the words that people are saying about me. But it simply doesn't happen what we say to others little bit by little bit forms our heart and forms the hearts and people around us and so it is something that can stain our whole body you see that in verse six and then setting a fire the entire course of hell and set on fire by hell Every kind of beast and bird of reptile, sea creatures can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. The heart will espouse it. And so have you ever heard, or have you ever said, oh, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> no, you didn't mean for them to hear you say that, right? You said it. You said it in your mind. You didn't mean to say it out loud. But it was there, right? Think about people that lose control by being drunk. And they lose the, the governor, right? They lose the, the thing that inhibits certain things that should be said or shouldn't be said. They, they lose the discernment. And so what people will say when they're drunk is what's always been in the heart. Anyway. So you can't just say, oh, well, they're drunk. That's why they said those things, right? They lost the inhibitor. They lost the restrictor to be able to state these things. But they were always there. They're always in our heart. I, I was thinking about how we listen to music nowadays. You know, it's just changed so many times. I thought, what would be a good illustration? And the first thing that came to my mind was as a childhood thinking of the jukebox. And I realized there's a good portion of you have no clue what a jukebox is. Um, but the idea that in this jukebox was these vinyl records and you could go in and you could choose which one of these records would pop out and play. And then I thought, well, you know, later on when I was in, uh, you know, first got married, it was the 15-disc uh, CD changer, you know. 
was like, uh, you could put it on random, and it would just play all these things, you know. But yet there was still some control, right? There were some CDs I could put in and some I could change and not, not keep out. And so it was a certain narrowing down of the music that was playing. Or, or now today, you know, you got Spotify, Pandora, uh, and so you, you put a playlist in, and it'll play certain songs. But it's influenced still by the thumbs up. Right? Or the, the heart that you like. And so it, it slowly gets morphed into what your heart is looking for, what you're wanting. And the sounds of the room is filling or expressing your mood, your heart, your emotions, your thinking. And it reinforces it. So when you're sad, you play sad music and you go into depression. Right? It, it just kind of is a cycle. It reinforces and, and goes further down. One of the funniest things is, is uh, uh, when uh, my wife started driving and we had uh, that, that radio that would play your, your phone. And, and so it wasn't just my music. It was like all the kids' music. And, and uh, some of us like things like Lecrae. And uh, some of you who don't know who that is, it, it's uh, Christian rap. And my wife is, is listening playing, going to the grocery store in the Suburban, and, and you know, Suburban wife coming in, in her Suburban, and you'd hear this bass, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> You're thinking, who's this coming out of the car? You know, uh, the problem was is that she was being influenced by the, the favors, the taste of the whole crew, and, and I don't know what it was doing to her mood, you know. Uh, she'd come out sw- <laughs> with a little swagger or something, I don't know. Uh, but that you know, it's, it's the words, it's just like we do with music. The words that we say reinforce and shape those that are around us. Have you ever had a moment where you're talking to someone and you learn your own self, your own thoughts because you're talking to them and you're having to crystallize it into words? Are you write it out and becomes more firm? So the words you say matter. And the shaping our heart, it can it can tame or tame or it can taint the whole body stain the whole body as you see in verse six it can set on fire the entire course of your life the words that you say to someone else whether it's cursing hurting unkind things reinforces it so you become more unkind more hurting more painful it is a restless evil full of deadly poison I hope there is within this some fear, some trepidation of, oh my goodness, what course am I going down? Because you are. We all are going down a direction. And it's not just a plateau. It, it, there's a downhill to it. One way or the other, with time, the words that we say reinforce, shape, crystallize those of others and ourselves. It is restless. And then verse 9, James brings out this huge contradiction. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Before I go on, there are a lot of Proverbs that I would encourage you with this last point of how it's forming our hearts and hurting others or helping others. I want to encourage you to, to read through some of these. I, I don't have time to read them all. But 
a few passages that you might want to look down right for yourself and, and to study later on. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The tongue has a power of life and death, and those who live it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who are truthful. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs 26, verse 20 through 21, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. So just a few scriptures to give you some thoughts and direction as you continue to study in this. We'll keep on reading. I just want to bring out this point as, as we read in verse 9. Words from and to God. The words we speak from God, the words we speak to God, can heal our words to others. The words we speak to God and the words from God can heal our words to other people as we think about this. Notice verse 9, the, the two polar opposites that James puts out. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. These two polar opposites, you would think that the opposite of cursing people would be blessing people. But that's not what James presents. He, he doesn't present that as the opposite of cursing people, blessing people. He says the opposite of this is blessing God. When we bless God, the opposite extreme of that is cursing people where we curse the very image of God in the people around us. That is why we have to be very careful. I appreciated what Jeff was having to say that when we come with people who disagree, they're still, they still are in the image of God and how we present truth to them really does matter. And that we present it clearly but also represent it with the idea, oh dear soul, I want for you to know who God is that can inflame your soul with joy and love and holiness. How we talk to others can be healed by the words from and to God. So with it, we bless our Lord and Father. And so he, he talks about the how the the inconsistency of this my brothers these things ought not to be he says you does a spring forth pour forth from the same openings both fresh and salt water what water salt water can a fig tree my brothers bear olives can a grapevine produce figs that these are some polar opposites and so the solution is to make sure that our springs are coming from god that our relationship with god is directing our relationship with others there's a passage that speaks to this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Where does the graciousness and salt come from? It comes from the God who gives us grace and shows us light so that you may know how you ought to answer each person and so your speech is colored by your relationship with God that you're hearing from God and you're speaking to God. 
So yes, the word of God absolutely matters, but more importantly, is the word of God in your life. That is why we're doing the F260 with the church-wide Bible reading plan that we're doing, just to breathe in God's word to make sure that as a church, especially those of us who are saying that as a church we give praises to God in Nightdale community, that we are hearing God's word. And it's not just on Sunday, but every day that we're reading his word, thinking through, hearing him, highlighting what God is saying to us, explaining and applying it and responding to it in our life. So, the thing is, we are operating as if we're in a courtroom of approval. All our conversations is usually revolving around us looking good to ourselves, God, and the whole world. But what the gospel is, the gospel says, sure, dear brother and sister, try those six instructions and see how you feel, how you fare. And the gospel will tell you God expects all these things, and we are woefully inadequate. And the gospel says we are guilty before God. And just one of those acts, one of those words expressed, will go on for eternity. The sound waves keep on going. They don't stop. Do you realize that? Sound waves don't stop. They just keep going. And they are being recorded by God in eternity. We'll hear the echoes of the words said in our lifetime. And there will be... And eternal shame and the resounding of me first, me first, me first, all about me. I am the most important one. And you are now in the presence of God who says, that is not true. I've made you. And with just a word, you will be no more. And we will be there in that moment. And we can sense this. And we realize the utter shame that is there with one word. One phrase, and the gospel comes in and says to us, these words you've said, they cannot be excused, they cannot be ignored. They are judged by a just God. And he judges them. Lays them on the account of Jesus Christ, who is the eternal righteous one, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. If we just had the sins of a mouth, it's more than enough, is it not? Because they reveal our heart. But he's... For all of our sin. And he lays them on the account of Jesus Christ. And the cross comes. And says it is finished. Now you can be right with God. And there is a, such grace there. I'm, I'm thinking about Exodus 15. Where the people of God run across springs of bitter water. And they complain. And they talk to Moses. And Moses talks to God and says, what do we do? This marah, this bitter water. And God instructs through Moses, put a tree in it. Put a tree in it. And the water becomes sweet. Oh, every spring here, every heart here. Do you not know that our natural course is a bitterness of our mouth, a bitterness of our spring, and every once in a while we get a glimpse of how bitter it is. Maybe it comes out through our family, comes out uh, and things recorded, and we hear ourselves like, oh Lord, and God says, put a tree in it. Let Jesus, let the gospel come in and let it make a difference that you know the grace of God. You are no longer in the court of approval. You are now a son, a daughter of God. Let 
that be the reoccurring, dominating thought of every day. Because every day is demanded of us to speak something. Let it be speech that flows out of the spring with the tree in it. God loves me. Wouldn't it be easy if we had no one living with us? That's not the case. We were made to speak. We were made to hear messages. We were made to express our soul. And we need a person there. It can be like Tom Hanks crying out for Wilson on Castaway Island. Just like, where's some ball, something I can talk to. We need it. You were made to speak. And every one of you have an opportunity to do so. The biggest question is, from what spring will it flow out of? Perhaps you'd like to pray with me. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. O Lord, if my lips express my heart and shows me to be double-minded, then God, let me confess Let me speak those words that agree with your words about my words and let us agree together and will you seek forget will you forgive me? I I seek that. Lord, would you change my heart? Let me know your grace in my life so that my words will be gracious. Some of you are sitting here with a guilt in your heart and mind, even now. The guilt is there so that you will know your heart and that you would confess your heart, confess your sin before God who will forgive you if you will confess. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we were just to go one chapter over, we'd see the word again. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. God, would you be one? Thank you that I'm no longer in the court of approval. I've been approved. Let's pray.